0: I mean, if you think about I want it that way, there really isn't any sort of narrative or story arc if you follow the lyrics. And the reason is because Max Martin got a hold of the original version, which sucks and said, it's the wrong syllables, right? It's not the right pacing. We need to cut these words, cut that, snip that, add this word in here. Then he put his magic touch on it and then suddenly it becomes this huge hit because he cut words out of it and it doesn't make any sense now. But you know what? Who cares? It fucking bangs. But we are two apart. At this
1: point, I don't care about that man, honestly. He does whatever he wants. That's not my job. I want it
2: Tell me why. I'm only focused on trying to make the team better, win some games. Chemistry has been excellent,
1: despite, you know, everything that's been happening in the last few months. So, yeah, like I said, I don't really care. I want it
2: that way. Welcome to The Haber Show.
1: I'm Tom Haberstrow. That's the Amin Al-Hassin.
0: Welcome to The Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstrow. <laughs> Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro, that's Amin Al Hassan. Derek Bodner, the Philadelphia 76ers insider beat writer with the team. I don't know where to begin, but for the listeners, we were recording this at 1222 Eastern time. And at this point, Derek... It'll be outdated as soon as we stop <laughs> recording. You know how this rolls. We're going to end the recording and uh, Ben Simmons will have been traded to the Portland Trailblazers as soon as we get off. But hopefully some news breaks in the next 30 minutes or whatever it is, and, and we can analyze it in real-time emergency podcast scenario. But at this point, um, two things have happened. One is uh, Ben Simmons reported to shoot around this morning ahead of their game against the, the Brooklyn Nets at home tonight, um, Friday night. And he was engaged reportedly. Uh, Shams training reporting from The Athletic that he was engaged. However, he has indicated to the team after a meeting with the power brokers that be um, with the organization and Joel Embiid, I should note, was in that meeting as well that he indicated that he was um, not mentally ready to commit to the team to play, uh, that he wanted to play, but he was not mentally ready to play. I don't know what that means.
1: I think the intention is that you shouldn't know what that means. I think that was intentionally vague for sure.
0: So have we veered into like the mental health space? Because then it gets really thorny as whether he is going to get paid if he is mentally incapable of playing for this team, Derek.
1: It's tough because on the one hand, like that phrasing... Like I come back from a vacation. I say, oh man, I'm not mentally prepared to go back to work. And then you have the other end of the spectrum, which is dealing with mental health issues and anxiety uh, and and whatnot. And you don't know exactly what they're getting at. And I mean, to be fair, like I don't think athletes necessarily have to divulge everything that they're going through and details on what kind of treatment they're receiving or, or what's afflicting them. But it is exceptionally vague at a point where, um, you know, it, it sort of came, I don't want to say it came out of left field because I feel like Sham Sharani and, and Woj have been saying this for a while now, but it, it is very, very vague to the point where it makes it tough to know exactly A, what they're trying to convey and B, how we should respond to it for sure.
2: The thing that I walked away from hearing, and seeing that report was, oh, he doesn't want to play his first game at home because you know what the reaction is going to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't think he necessarily wants to play at home period um, or right. even maybe with the team period. But, you know, they play two games now. Um, they play one game in Philly and then two on the road. And then they've got like seven out of ten at home or something like that. So if that's his thinking, that's exceptionally short term. Uh, you're not going to be able to duck. What is certainly going to be a very hostile home environment for too long.
2: I think what Tom said is is the crux of this. If we're going to make this a mental health issue, And we've arrived at this place where we're not allowed to question that in any way. Sure. Because if you do, all of a sudden it means you are anti-mental health. So it's a very convenient way of phrasing. If he had said, I'm out of shape. Right. We could say, all right, you're going to miss a couple of games, but at some point you're going to be in shape. Yeah. Because you're practicing, say, mental health, who's to say? I'm Still don't feel great, guys. And, and you know, to be honest with you, it's a guy who did not want to be here. The only reason he wants he's here is because he got tired of or he realized he wasn't going to get any of that money back. Right. Um. So, I mean, that's, that to me. And this is where I'm going to sound like the old guy, but it's just like this is why some of these. Ex- um, uh, Let's call it something else other than excuses. Reasons. These, reasons. 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 Given reasons. Yeah. Are just not acceptable. Um, I don't know. To me, I'm I'm speaking from a front office perspective. I'm like, no. The answer to that is no. If you don't show up, you're not going to get paid because this isn't. There's no way I can verify that you you have a mental health issue that's that's affecting you, Uh, other than a truly uncomfortable work situation. Right, like that. That's that's what it is. Which, if it was, uh, like,
1: yeah, yeah. Which Wells Fargo it, Center is going to be for sure. Yeah, because
2: <laughs> yeah, because to me, if it was, if it was like, my mom is sick. Hey man, take all the time you yep. need. I'm going through a really bad divorce or breakup. I get it. You know, we do want we want you here, but hey man, you, we want your mind to be clear. So take care of that. When you say it, it's the the uncomfortable situation that's facing him, is a, a work situation. It's not a personal life thing. And B, is the direct result of decisions that he made. He decided to go incommunicado all summer. He decided to demand a trade and make it public. He decided when his teammates wanted to fly out to tell them, no, don't come here. He decided to sit out. He decided to live with getting fined. And then he decided, well, getting fined isn't actually as all this cracked up to be. And he decided to report back. What's waiting for him at Wells Fargo isn't some mystical, magical thing. It's not a mental health issue that he's dealing with. It is the consequences of six months of action. Or inaction.
0: Yeah. Inaction in the sense of like, if this really is something that he can't handle mentally, the idea of coming back and playing for the 76ers, say that from the beginning. You made this. Well, I mean, not only that. So I like, if you just in a vacuum told me that, you know, Ben Simmons
1: had been, you know, had some anxiety issues I had to work through. Uh, whether it's a fear of failure. Um, I think there are reasons that I could believe that. Certainly. I think more, way more NBA players are dealing with stuff that we don't know about. I mean, they're, they're they're human beings. Um, but I think what's really undercutting him is the fact that, like you said, first of all, most of what's making this an anxious situation he created, but also that two months ago, you know, the reports were coming out that if he comes back, he's not going to be engaged. He's not going to care he's, you know, he's, he's going to be mentally checked out. Like these reports were coming out before it happened. Now it's happening. So I think that's undercutting his, um, at least the public perception of his stance quite a bit. And you know, when did, when, when did he first inform the team that, Hey, mentally, I can't, I can't handle everything that's going on right now. I need some time. Is this something that just happened after he showed up is something he's been talking about to them uh, for weeks. Uh, And that's not necessarily something that we as media or fans have to know, but that's something that the six are going to be, thinking about for sure it is i mean it's like you said it's tough to question mental health certainly um even in a short-term much less a long-term diagnosis but it's it's optically i think a lot of people are going to arrive at conclusions for various reasons
0: what is the whole back tightness thing how did you read that
1: (laughs) Uh, look again i'm not uh, entirely comfortable questioning injury status um But a lot of people did speculate that he would have a minor nick and bruise pretty quickly. Uh, And the fact that it came out without any... I mean, look, he hasn't even really been trying in practice, Uh, which doesn't mean you can't have back tightness. Like You can hurt it in any million ways, as my personal history can attest to. Uh, Not all of them are glamorous or
0: athletic. Amin Amin is just grinning over there because he has lived through back (laughs) hell over the past...
1: Yeah, and
2: look, he (laughs) has
1: had back (laughs) problems before. um, So you can certainly... Aggravate that, but the timing of it again is is very suspect.
2: Derek, at what point does the team say? Because I know Daryl doesn't get uncomfortable by this stuff; he's weird like that. But for the rest of the team, for the players, there's something they got to deal with. At what point do they just sequester him and say, "You know what, man, we'll pay you. Just go away until we trade you."
1: Well, and, and you'd have a better read on this too. But like, how much would the league step in? How much pressure is there coming down from the league about this precedent? Uh, Because you're talking about a player with four years left on his contract. Um, It's, it's, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think there could be ownership pressure coming down from Daryl. Like, Hey, if we're going to pay him, like, you know, Josh Harris, I don't think is necessarily super thrilled about giving out eight, $16 million, however long this drags out to somebody who's not providing value. But if he's around here not providing value, he's providing negative value uh, with the, with the way the culture and the clubhouse is being impacted. I think ultimately, because I think from Daryl's perspective, what's going to drive Ben Simmons trade value isn't going to be him coming back and playing well in the regular season. I don't think that's going to be a a, a big driving force in what they end up getting back in a trade. It's going to be external forces, whether that's more players becoming available in December, whether that's getting close to trade deadline and injury uh, from a team who thought they were going somewhere, uh, a team who's not as good as they thought they would be. I think those are what's going to be driving Ben Simmons trade value. So why have him drag down the clubhouse in the interim? I think at at that little point, they thought maybe they could get him to buy back in and play well and, and so that your lasting impression of Ben Simmons isn't the Atlanta series. I think that ship has mostly sailed. And I thought they probably thought, Hey, we're going to trade. him. we might as well try to get some wins now and get, you know, that third seed or whatever, rather than fighting for five or six. I think that ship is mostly sailed too. I'm with you. Like you want to get to a different point in the calendar because that will help you get a better trade. I'm not sure keeping them around is going to do all that much.
0: Yeah. And then it would basically be the John Wall treatment in Houston. Is just yeah. like, all right, we're going to, Continue to search for a trade. You just stay away from the team, and we'll work on trying to make make a trade. And sure, uh, that would be Clutch Sports client number two. Who's in that? Who's in that bucket? Right. Yep. And then there was there was Anthony Davis, of course, a couple of years ago, where it was you know a, a public trade demand um, from Rich Paul, and then they were they, they they met in the middle, which was, in my opinion, just the worst of both situations. Is that Anthony Davis played for twenty minutes off the or played essentially? a role player amount of minutes and then left himself open to injury that would ruin a trade value. And also like it was, it was a joke. It was a whole charade. It, it mocked the integrity of the game that Anthony Davis was going to play 20 minutes for, for a mediocre team. Um, so but look, I want to stay with Daryl Morey for a second here. He it was on um, Mike Misenelli's, uh radio show. Can you tell people what that radio show is and what, what Mike's show is just for people to understand Daryl Morey going on that show what that's about.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, drive time slot, uh, at the local ESPN affiliate, uh, one of the two major sports talk stations in the town, uh, which is, you know, I mean, it's, it's simulcast. They're the uh, broadcast partner of the Sixers simulcast on NBC sports Philadelphia. So it certainly is a, uh, a radio show that has a lot of visibility to it. Sure.
0: Does he go on like a weekly hit? Is, is it a weekly thing or was this, a uh- like I'm, I'm, I'm addressing this situation.
1: Look, I'm not actually hundred percent sure. Uh, I actually have a contract with the other radio station. So I avoid that one a little bit. Great, great station. I just, you know, <laughs> money's coming in from the other one. So I tend to focus on that one. Uh, I don't know if it's weekly. It's it's certainly pretty regular.
0: Yeah. Cause he came out and I think the biggest headline from that is that Daryl More ready, locked and loaded, ready for a four-year battle, or at yeah. least saying, Hey, Everyone else, buckle in. This is not going to be like a one-week thing. Yeah. Right? This is not – we're digging in our heels for uh, – until Christmas. This is – if Ben Simmons is ready for this, we are ready for a four-year battle to get commensurate trade value if, if it ever gets to that point.
2: Tom, to me, that, that's the crux of months ago. Not months – like maybe two months ago. I was on the radio and I said, Daryl isn't going to do a deal unless it reaches the minimum threshold of what he wants. Now we may sit around and argue. We we may we sit around and argue like, "Hey, you thought that's a good return on that or not?" You might argue that, but what we can't argue is that Daryl's going to get what he wants. Uh, what if, regardless of whether he, what he wants is good or not? I understand that about him. I understand that he he can dig his heels like that. The thing I don't understand is. How does that translate to the people who have to deal with this on a day-to-day basis? Because it's easy to sit upstairs and say, I'm prepared to go to do this for four years. Is Doc prepared for that? Is Joel and I don't think anybody really takes a four years,
1: literally. Like, that's just how sure. much. Time, but like, I've seen it like, like relayed, like, oh, Daryl Morey thinks this could take four years. I, that's not what he's saying at all. He's just saying he's willing to sit here for as long as it takes to get the return he feels puts them on the path to a championship uh, and that, that, you know, we talked about at the beginning, how that radio show has pretty big visibility. Well, but I mean, that message is really to an audience of, of one or two there, uh, which is that like, look, holding out for being a, a pain in the, you know, what, for a week or two, isn't going to work Uh really, this is going to be longer than that. Uh, so, so, you know, get ready, maybe come to your senses, stop acting quite as petulant as, as you currently are. Yeah. And it's a fair point because I think, you know, Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid will come out and say, oh, this isn't a distraction. The locker room's close, yada, yada, yada. It has to be a distraction. Like human nature, this is as ugly of a holdout as you will see. I mean, it, it's right up there with Harden and like he is is distracting the team in a very real way. Uh, so yeah, I think they're hoping that he came here. He sort of shot his shot with the uh, acting out in practice and, and, and not attending the um, individual workout. And I think they're hoping it will get better. But if it doesn't, I think they have to be ready to pivot pretty quickly
0: yeah because i think another another interesting quote from daryl in that interview is that um for our players and coaches this is not tough doc rivers and the team are united unified and that they are going to try to win a championship this year and he also reiterated that he believes this team can as it's presently uh Presented is that he can win a championship this year. He has a chance with this team without Ben Simmons to win a championship. He he says this these things. Um, do you, being around the team, covering the team as long as you have, Derek, do you buy the idea that everybody's locked in and secondly, that this team can come out of the East without Ben Simmons?
1: No, well, certainly. Secondly, I don't think this team is coming out of the East. Um, Yeah. And Daryl, he he'll say whatever he has to say to give off his appearance. I don't think Daryl believes this team could come out of the East with Joel Embiid. I think he feels like anytime you have Joel Embiid, you should be a contender and you, you the burden is to contend. And that's why he's trying to trade Ben Simmons for high value. But no, I don't. If you gave him true serum, I don't think he feels like the roster currently constructed is ready to contend. I think short term, it can sort of bring people together. Like, I think Joel Embiid, I, here's what I think, I think Joel Embiid has taken a step up in terms of his, his leadership. He was always more of a try to lead soft-spokenly guy before. And I think he's trying to be a more vocal leadership both through the media and in the locker room. And I think that could help. I think it could pull them together in the short term. But if this drags on for two, three months, I think, do I expect it to be burdensome? Yeah, I do.
0: Derek, where do you stand on the comma debate?
1: <laughs> no, I, was not, I definitely don't think he paused there. I think he intended to say, I don't care about that man. But I think the way he meant it was probably more like, I don't think he doesn't care about him as a human being so much. More so that, like, I just don't even consider him really a teammate at this point. Like, I don't care about that man as a member of the organization. I, I think he, I think that's more what he was going for. But I I don't think there was a, a comma. I don't think he was saying, I don't care about that question. No, I don't think he was saying that.
0: Is it polarizing in the, in the beat room?
1: No, we were, we were pretty, I don't think anybody really interpreted with a comma.
2: The sound is there. That's yeah. my thing. It's like, you hear what he said. I don't care about that man. And no, the, I don't care about that. The
1: very man. next part of that answer was he'll do whatever he wants to do. I uh, like, I. Right. I no, I don't think anybody listening to it live interpreted it that way. I think when you read it back, you kind of said like, oh, he had to say it with the comma.
2: But I don't I don't think he did. Is there anything the Sixers could have done differently? If I if I showed up with Doc Brown in the DeLorean and I said, <laughs> Daryl, Doc, yeah. let's go. We're going to go back in time. What could they have done differently so that at, at the very least we don't have this kind of contentious situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly I don't think Doc's comments helped. But really, I think if you want to stop this from happening, you have to go back to the James Harden trade, uh, the trade rumors. I think that's really where the the relationship started to fracture big time. Uh, for his name to be out there and for the trade, you know, when you put a, an All Star caliber player in a trade rumor who's not requesting it, that trade has to get done, or you run the risk of this happening. And I think once that happened, like, did Doc's comments hurt? Yeah, they probably hurt. Did Joel Embiid's comments help? No, they definitely didn't help. But I think the crux of the problem is a combination of Ben feeling like he deserves a team built around him, which I disagree pretty strongly with, but he feels that way. I think he's probably felt that way for a while. But then you put in the, the James Harden trade rumors. and I think from his perspective, he probably feels like, you know, Daryl Morey has a track record. And he's always going to be pursuing those top 10, top 15, top 20 players. Ben's not one of them. Ben's our best trade ship, or at least a year ago at this time, Ben was the best trade ship to get one he probably felt like he was always going to be in a trade rumor for somebody better. Um, So maybe he tried to get out in front of that a little bit. I think those are what's contributing more than like what happened after game seven.
2: Mm. Let me ask you this Derek. You said that he thinks that he deserves a team uh, built around him. And you said you strongly disagree with that. Why, why do you say that?
1: Well, I mean, I just don't, it's a tough fit because on the one hand he needs as many shooters as possible. Mm-hmm. he also can't protect the rim as a, a five so you'd need a real switch heavy lineup around him if he's going to play a small ball five but more than that it's just like and this is sort of going back to i don't think he has a confidence to attack the rim the way he would need to to justify having just by not having another elite ball handler alongside of him um, i think the free throws were not an accident uh, that was a player who was shooting sub 50 percent the entire second half of the season and it progressed from there. And I think that all comes down to as bad as his form is, and his form's atrocious, that all comes back down to a a confidence issue. Uh, I just don't ever think he's going to be able to be consistently aggressive enough to have a team built around him, at least not at this stage of his career.
0: I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but the NBA is back.
2: Oh, the NBA
0: <laughs> is back. It is back, I mean. And at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA, the key to victory is a strong starting 17—wait, strong starting five.
2: Basketball, man. It's five starting five. It's basketball.
0: Don't they have 15 players on the roster and then a two-man, two, two-way 2 contract?
2: Yeah, the two-way guys are not the key to victory. The key to victory are the strong starting five. And top um, new customers can bet just five dollars on any NBA team to win their game, and if they do, you win. in free bets. How about that?
0: Wait, $5 and if they win, you get $200 in free bets? Yes, sir. That sounds like a steal, like a Jimmy Butler steal and running in transition and throwing it down. Are you back on Heat Island, by the way? I mean, I never left,
2: baby. I never left. And so I'm going to make my roster Miami, 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 Miami. That's me. That's what I like to do. But DraftKings Sportsbook customers can going to also get skin in the game with same-game parlays. That's right, Tom. You combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win.
0: DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable resource. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So here's what you got to do. What I got to do? Tell me. I mean, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Boom, done. Use promo code HABERSHOW. Spell it. Not HABERSTRO, not my actual last name, but this program, Show. bet just $5 uh-huh. on any NBA team to win their game. And guess what you win? $200 in free bets. $200 in free bets. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. And if they win... Guess what I mean? You win with promo code what is it? Habershow. Show. That's H A B as in boy E R S H O W. Do that this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. And I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you take us out with that lovely fine print.
2: Oh man, I love when the lawyers get involved. Hey guys, must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum five dollar deposit and one dollar wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER.
0: Your background is in like scouting. You used to work for right for a Draft Express. So, can you give us what you thought Ben Simmons was coming into the league and where he is now?
1: You know, I, I think a lot of people thought he didn't care about winning. And I don't necessarily think that holds true entirely, because I don't typically see people that committed to defense if they don't care about winning at all. Like and I think he got a me first reputation, which I think some of us deserve. Look, any any player that good, they tend to be egomaniacs to some degree. Uh and I certainly think he enjoys the spotlight, but I think he does care about winning. Uh but coming in, I think there was much more question because his buy-in at LSU defensively he was playing defense at LSU, sort of like he's practicing with the Sixers now. He looked like he didn't want to be there. It came through very strongly on his defense. Yeah, in that, along with maybe some risky passes and along with some, um, you know, not willing to take a jump shot. And quite frankly, he was more willing to take a jump shot back then. But I think the concerns were that he was going to be a, a me first player who wouldn't buy in on defense and didn't really make the winning plays. And I think some of that's hold true, but I think a lot of that, like I said, defensively, I don't, I don't find many, very many me first players or at least players who don't care about winning who buy in defensively. Um so I think some's held true, some's not. Like I said, I really think the his biggest problem is that there is a an intense fear of failure, and he's never had the support system around him to get him to step outside of his comfort zone. I think that's much more the problem than like he doesn't something easy to say, like he doesn't care about winning.
0: I mean, when we talk about the history of the NBA and the yips that we're seeing from Ben Simmons, is there is it Nick Anderson? Is there a person who had such a crippling... Like a comp? ...fall from like trajectory of being... I think it's fair to say Ben Simmons, after his first year in the league, was on a trajectory to be a perennial all-star, maybe an MVP candidate if he adds a jump shot or um, attacks the rim like we saw Giannis do in the playoffs, that he could be an MVP in this league. And then to get from there to that promise and production, I mean, he a triple double machine for a while. Um, last year was a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, but has fallen from that place because of a crippling fear. What seems to be a crippling fear of failure.
2: I see. I don't. I don't know. And and Derek, you know, since you cover them, you see it a lot. See a lot more. I don't know if he's fallen from that place so much as. He's had high-profile moments of failure that now consume not only the public discourse, but also probably how he thinks and feels about himself. But in terms of the caliber of play, level of play, I agree that he hasn't improved much since coming to the league. But I don't think it's like, oh, no, he's slipping. He To me, he's still an elite player. In many of the things that he does, it's just scoring isn't one of them. Yeah,
1: No, I I mean, I think his effectiveness might drop a little bit offensively in the half court, especially in the playoffs, just because there's such a book out on him now. Whereas that first year, maybe you didn't exactly know how to take advantage of his weaknesses. Um, So I think he's he's dropped a little bit, but I agree. He's still a very good player. And that's sort of like what's unique about him. I think most players who come in and have so little confidence in one aspect of their game, especially an aspect like shooting, who have that fear of failure, they don't, they're don't. they not able to become a top 35 player in the world while having that affliction. So it didn't really impact him until some of those very public displays in the playoffs. Uh, and he, he just never really responded to that correctly. Maybe he's not capable of it. Maybe he doesn't have the right people around him. I don't know. But I think he got to a point without having to address it. And he hasn't figured out how to address it
2: since. Is it a case where... Because this is one of the things... We hear about, which is he doesn't believe he has a problem. It's almost like he's an alcoholic. It's fine, I got it all under control. And because he's like the first step of recovery is admitting that you have a problem. That's kind of what's the impediment of his of his improvement. Is would would you would you call that accurate or or am I doing too much armchair psychology here?
1: I certainly think the first three or so years of his career, I don't think he truly believed that the problem was as big as as everyone out there believed it to be. I think people, he felt like people were focusing way too much on what he couldn't do and and not what he could. I do think he has put in some work on the jumper in the last few years. I don't know what he's he's done in terms of other confidence issues because of
2: that. Yeah. I, I'm not talking about, the, that's a, I'm not talking about the jumper. I don't give a shit if he never hits a three in his life, but what you said earlier is just like, he doesn't even want to drive to the basket because he's afraid of getting fouled. That's, a, that's another level of, of issue right like we can live with hey not a great three-point shooter or not a three-point shooter at all not a spacer I think we've seen plenty of players come through the league be very effective in that regard but it's the part where like he plays scared does he do I mean it's kind of weird does he know that he's playing scared or is he just like no that was I'm making the right decision according to? does he think he's LeBron basically passing to Kyle Korver, who's wide open for three
1: yeah i, I would I, w- I would probably say there he doesn't believe that the problem is as big as as, as it truly is um, and hasn't really gotten his mind wrapped around what he's dealing with uh it's it's tough ben is an intensely guarded individual um he doesn't really share too much with either media or or quite frankly i think many people around him that are, are close um but no i don't i don't think he truly understands um i i I think he feels like he's a season of working on his free throws away from being the player he needs to be.
0: Derek, let's shift gears here for a second and talk about um what happens next. Because I think Daryl Morey might have alerts on his phone about what the Blazers are doing. Um because that obviously Damian Lillard is is the pie in the sky, the name that I think everyone expects that someone, Daryl Morey, who looks at you know his offensive talent or star name and says that's the player, caliber player that we're holding out and seeing if that situation combusts in Portland because they start out 0-1 on the season. Their next 11
2: games are against... They're on a one-game losing
0: streak, (laughs) One-game losing streak here. So far, so good, Daryl. Eight of the next 11 games are against playoff teams from last year. The other three are Indiana, at Charlotte, at Cleveland. Um, And also, we're taking... Daryl Morey for his for you know for what it's worth in the in the comments yesterday on the radio show, show saying that he basically is holding out for a quote unquote difference maker. Okay, unpack difference maker in your mind of what that Daryl Morey means by difference maker. Is it all star? Is it top twenty five player? Is like who? Is, I'm going to run it through some names here. Do you think Zach Levine is a quote unquote difference maker for the 76ers or in Daryl Morey's eyes?
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, I think when he's saying that, like, do I think he has his eyes on and ears on the Damien O'Leary situation? Of course, um, who wouldn't? And Dame can say what he says. uh, And I think he probably believes what he says, um, but people's perspective changes when situations change. So, you know, do I expect Dame to ask out this year? No, but I I think Daryl's, Like I said, I think he's going to be monitoring that situation for sure. Um, Do I think he's going to turn down any offer as he waits out for Dame to make his decision? No, I don't think that's where he's at. I think he feels like if he can get an all-star caliber player and then somebody like Dame does eventually become available, you can package that with, you know, Sixers for a contender have a decent amount of their picks. I think they're down one because of last year's Al Horford trade, but they have a decent amount of their picks. Uh, You have a couple of young players who show some promise. I think he feels like if he gets a, 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 all-star or better caliber player he can either use that to help win games this postseason or he can use that in a future trade uh which i think he is always thinking about um so i do i think he means like a top 20 player now no i think that's the end goal i think that's what he's looking at down the line but i don't think that's what he would take uh to move simmons now no
2: such a weird situation because when you have a uh, usually when we're in this situation the team trading away the star player you're rebuilding yeah, yeah, we're like, well, we gave it a try, so just give me all your young guys and all your picks, and then we'll go from there. Kind of like you look at Anthony, the Anthony Davis deal is a perfect example. It's like, oh, Brandon Ingram, he looks like he could be pretty good down the line. Give me him. I, li- I like Josh Hart. I like Lonzo Ball. And then give me four picks or whatever. And you got your all-star, and now you guys go contend for a championship. In this case, the team that's trading is a team that's intent on winning a championship right now. The window is open right now so beyond top 25 player or not is the onus that for the um the return to be stuff that is immediate impactful as opposed to future assets
1: i think that's where he is um i do think it would be interesting if you got back you know a a, a basically a, a load of picks could you bank on a, another all-star caliber player becoming available at the trade deadline and, and putting a, a package together there? I think Daryl's a little uncomfortable with that right now. Uh, I think because, I mean, obviously, because you have Joel Embiid sitting here wanting to contend for a title, that might be a tough sell. Like, hey, trust me, I've got another deal lined up in three months. Like, might be tough. Uh, I don't know how bought-in Joel would be with that. And that would be a huge risk because the way this goes completely sideways if Joel Embiid gets exceptionally ticked off. So, yeah, I think he's, he's looking more towards immediate contributors. Um, I think picks or young players, like I said, I don't necessarily think the player he gets back now is is the end goal. So picks and young players I think would help, but I think he would be hard-pressed for him to do without – him to make a trade without having somebody who's at least an all-star caliber player. I think that's his perspective.
2: If you had to handicap, let's take Portland off the table because obviously if Damian Lillard is available, then you go get him. But looking at the other possibles – Sacramento, Minnesota, Indiana. I mean, Brad Beale, if you want to throw him
0: in there.
1: Yeah, the pacers are off the table. Oh. I think what I think is a team that has the most interest in Ben Simmons is a logical starting place for that. And I think Minnesota has the most interest in Ben Simmons. And I think that might be the right spot for Ben Simmons. I think him and, and Towns, at least offensively, would be a, a pretty good fit. Um, and Ben could, you know, you could Ben's defense would be very valuable overcoming their deficiencies. The question is. Obviously, I think they don't have what the Sixers want. Um, so I think if I'm, I'm handicapping who has a high chance of landing Ben Sims, I still think it's Minnesota, but a third team has to come into and play. Um, and I think that's where Daryl's like, hey, we got to get to the trade deadline so that more teams are, are in this because the teams right now that want him are teams that would be more floor raisers. They don't have those all-star caliber players that we want. Um, so I would answer your question by saying I think, I think Minnesota is most likely candidate. but Most of those assets would be relayed to a third team.
0: Because if you look at these names, uh, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Zach Levine, Fred Van Vliet, Bradley Beal, Malcolm Brogdon, D'Angelo Russell, Darren Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, like all these names have been thrown in the pot of like potential deals. I still think, I don't know, I still, I still think that Malcolm Brogdon makes a lot of sense just from the efficiency standpoint. He's younger. He's not a young player anymore, but I never was a, right, it was like,
2: it was like, <laughs> yeah. It came
0: in 23 uh, or whatever, 40 year old, <laughs> not a you know, buddy situation, rookie. quite, but um, <laughs> yeah, it came in. And I, I don't know if that's like if that's the ceiling right now, as, as it stands now. I, I wonder if like a Malcolm Brogdon type is the ceiling because he says on the radio, like, right now, we are being offered, or essentially, Philly fans, are you willing to take a bunch of role players for Ben Simmons because that's where we're at right now. We have not been offered a difference maker for Ben Simmons and we're not, we're not going to accept any deal until we get a defend, uh, difference maker on caliber of Ben Simmons. So I, I agree. I don't think D'Angelo Russell is, is good enough for, for the 76ers. Um, De'Aaron Fox, interesting name. Tyrese Halliburton is probably in that category of player you might acquire, but to flip again at the deadline. And is like, both you, of those you,
1: players who are reportedly um, off the table according to reports yes. uh, and and brogdon like you brought up can't be traded now because of that extension who knows whether or not that was a missed opportunity pursuing before that um but yeah a lot of these yeah, and that's part of it now there's just such a irrational optimism at this time of year where sacramento will convince themselves that this year they don't start off 12 and 20 uh and maybe it's not uh, but things could change here in a month or month or two if, if things go sideways
0: yeah i mean what do, you, what, do you, what are your thoughts on how sacramento goes from here because you <laughs> You don't have a history there, right?
2: No, but I did. I did the math the other day, and it's like either Minnesota or Sacramento has to be the tenth team in the in the West. Like it, they can't both miss the play-in. It's it's like impo- mathematically impossible. So it's interesting that both those two teams are both in the Ben Simmons sweepstakes, and so then you start asking: Does success make you pine for Simmons? Because like, oh, we're this close. He's get him we're over the top or does failure make you pine for Ben Simmons or like, none of this is working. We need to, we need something new.
1: No, I think, I think if you were Minnesota and you started off and you're sniffing a playoff or a play in contention, uh, I think that would make you a little bit more willing to go out there and make a trade, especially if you don't have to give up your core, Mm. but who knows? Everyone is, is, is different in how they perceive that. I would think it would, you'd want to be, you know, this year's, Atlanta Hawks and just completely overshoot what people expected. Get a little... I mean, for a team that's made the playoffs, have they made it once in the last...
2: Sacramento or Minnesota? Well,
1: both. Sacramento hasn't made it in 15 years. Minnesota made it the one
2: Butler year, right? One year in Butler. But before that, the last time they'd made it was the year Kevin Garnett won MVP. So since 2004.
1: If you get close, you would want to... You know, go all in, Um, but who knows? Who knows? Especially when you have an interim GM and new ownership. But
0: who knows?
2: Right? Who knows? There's a lot to unpacked there. You know, w- w- what's happening in Minnesota? Does uh, is it? It's uh, Sashin Gupta, right? Who's, uh, who's the? Who's interim? Does he have the clearance to make what is a blockbuster deal? Um, and, and it's weird because is he the who's who's got the final say in it? Is it? It's um, A-Rod. a is the answer. Is, it, is it A-Rod? <laughs> <laughs> is it Glenn Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> Just to like raise a- the
0: craziness of this story, yeah. of the Ben Simmons no. story, is that the deal it- is going to come down to whether A-Rod wants to trade <laughs> Angelo Russell. I like the Anthony idea
2: Angel. of like Sachin Gupta has to fly to Miami to ask. Like, <laughs> <"Yo>, can I?
0: <laughs> hey, Derek, um, one other interesting thing that Daryl said yesterday. Um, I think it was yesterday. It's a, it's a fog in this Ben Simmons story. He doesn't expect the league to step in here. I think that's accurate
1: right now. No, I don't expect the league to step in, but if they try to send him away or if there's any kind of dispute over his injury, then yeah, then you could certainly see the league step in. Um, can I predict how this saga is going to unfold in that regard? No, I haven't been able to predict any part of the saga, so I'm not going to start with the league's involvement. Uh, but yeah, I th- I certainly think that right now, I think they don't feel like the league is going to step in, but I also think the, the Sixers right now don't know what the next twist and turn is going to be um so i think there's anything is on the table in that regard
0: what is the most surprising thing or at least i should say jumping off of what you said what you've been wrong about what is the biggest loudest wrong that Derek bodner has been about this story
1: oh geez (laughs) i didn't think ben had it in him to be this disruptive um i didn't think he had a he was confrontational enough to be as much of a pain when he got into camp and it's mostly just passive-aggressive stuff anyway. So I guess maybe I just misread how much damage you could do by being um, a passive-aggressive guy. Uh, but I didn't think he would come in here and, and be that disruptive. I thought once he showed up, he would be a little more professional just because I didn't think he had it in him.
2: He's not Jimmy Butlering this. No, yeah. no. I don't think he's doing a good job of it, though. I think, he, clearly, when you got to stand up in front of the team and apologize...
1: Yeah, no, he's, he's losing by the day.
2: Yeah. Like, the, the whole point is... And that's kind of why I go back to kind of why I'm a little hard line when it comes to how we talk about him, how we treat him at this point is you there's no such thing as halfway crooks, right? You have to, if you're going to play this role, you got to commit. and not, not everyone has to be Jimmy Butler. That's how Jimmy did it. But James Harden did it pretty well too, where it's like, I, I showed up. What? I did the drill. What do you want? I, I, <laughs> pri- I played in the game. What do you, but like, you know, but you can't do anything about it because they can't find you. They can't discipline you for being bad at your job. All they can do is find and discipline you when you don't show up or you refuse to do parts of your job. And that's what Ben's been doing. (laughs) Excuse me. His whole approach has been just the, the worst possible version of how to make the situation uncomfortable, resulting in him being the uncomfortable one.
1: Well, especially when he was away from the team. Right. Like, you, he wasn't really doing anything other than costing himself money when he was away from the team. And that was really a case where, like, you can leak stuff out and you can try to be a minor pain in the butt. But, like, if you're not going to co- fully commit to it, you're not really going to get what you want. And you're just going to end up costing yourself money in public perception. I do think it became a little more uncomfortable for the Sixers when he actually showed up. But I agree with you. I don't think there, this has the stamina to really be truly uncomfortable long term. He's got he's to go full Jimmy Butler or full James
2: Harden. I agree. The biggest thing, if you want to, because like, I, I say this all the time, in the NFL they sit out, in the NBA you show up and you make everything uncomfortable, and that's how you change your situation. But the biggest, I, I, I can't believe I didn't mention this before, the biggest part of that equation is you have to be more comfortable than them. You can't make it uncomfortable, and then you're the one who's uncomfortable. Like the whole point is, like I'm fine, I'm trolling you. If you troll and get trolled back and like freak out, yeah, yeah. guess what? You're not, you're not a very good troll. Yeah, but guys. <laughs> The, the, we, there's something that we we haven't talked about at all. we haven't addressed. Are you it speaking just...
1: from any experience, there, I
2: mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe attack. <laughs> there, there's there's something that Derek hasn't been at addressed. The show. <laughs> yes, that's, yes. That really been bothering me. That's something Daryl Morey said, and he said it's like Goodwill Hunting, and I, I was like, that's not a, at all like Goodwill Hunting. The whole point of Goodwill Hunting is he's like, I hope I don't see him. I show up and he's not there. He wanna have to go to California to see about a girl or whatever, right? Or I had to go to see about a girl. In this case, he is there. And so that's not Goodwill. Like it's, it feels like Delmore completely missed the point of Goodwill hunting.
1: Out of all of what's going on, that's the part that bothers you the most.
2: The, like I was <laughs> furious that no, one, that no one on the show stopped him. Said, no, have you actually watched Goodwill hunting? I kind of feel like he watched it but wasn't paying attention. Kind of like Ben Simmons wasn't paying attention when they explained to him, yo, if you sit out, you don't get that money back. How does that
1: happen? How does that happen? That is mind-boggling. How, how did they really think that they were going to get that money back? I I don't know. Um, and then they got explained to by the Players Association, and all of a sudden he showed up. Um, it feels like they maybe would have asked that question beforehand.
0: Wait, I mean, I thought, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a, a, a movie nut like y- yourself, but... Um, Daryl tweeted 11 hours ago, in a very Daryl fashion, is uh, a non sequitur of this whole entire saga over Ben Simmons. He says, the Dune movie was incredible. The first adaptation that brought to life the book I've read 10 plus times. I am biased, but the so-and-so art from the film is also incredible. I thought Dune was on
2: road to be a cinephobe movie. I I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Initial reviews have been mixed. Some people love it. Some people don't. But it just came out, so... There's also like a, a limited amount of reviews so far, yeah. and as more reviews pull, pull in, we'll get a clearer idea. But I haven't seen it, so I can't. I can't speak to it.
1: I think you can stream it at 6 p.m. I think is when it's it's available to stream.
2: It's available now because people were watching it last night. I think. Midnight. Well, I think
1: I thought people were watching it in theaters last night. I thought it was stream. It that doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter.
0: That, made, doesn't that makes matter. sense. That makes sense. Nice, Derek. Yes. All right, Derek. Last thing before we let you go here. Was it a phone? Or was it something else? Ben Simmons in his pocket.
1: Oh, so uh, reportedly it was a practice jersey, which was in his pocket. Um, it didn't look like a practice jersey to me. I don't really care that much. Wait, but why wouldn't someone from why wouldn't Ben Simmons
0: be like Nah, yo, like this was not a phone. This was a practice jersey. Like. Does he, maybe, maybe he doesn't, or maybe the Sixers, why does it always have to be like a, 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 anonymous sources thing when someone runs with like, what, like we had Mark Stein out here and a bunch of reporters being like, obviously that's a phone in the pocket. Like, can't someone just say <laughs> Ben Simmons participated in practice today with a, a, a practice Jersey in his pocket rather than letting that run with the fact that he was, I don't know. Sorry. I just, I think this is crazy.
1: Did we ever find the soup that was thrown? Like what kind of soup that was?
2: It was. It was a chicken tortilla.
0: No one got video of the soup being thrown. We have video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like when the whole media, when it, when this video leaks, like couldn't like someone address like that was, sorry, that looks like a phone, but it's actually a practice jersey. How are we not getting clarification on this, Derek? Look, the next time I can talk to
1: him, I will, I will, I will ask that question.
0: Yes. I, I will commit to that.
2: Tom, it's like, it's like did Jimmy Butler have a Rolex on during that infamous practice. Like, cause that was one that came out like a while later. Oh, and he did it with a Rolex. So I'm like, I don't know about that one. Like, but sometimes Tom, the myth is better than the fact, right? Like the legend is, it's more important for the legend to be the dude practice with his phone in his pocket than the actual truth where it was like a, like a catapult device or something (laughs) like that.
0: That is it. Derek, Thank you so much for joining us. Um, We will have you on again soon once Ben Simmons is raising the championship banner for the 76ers.
1: (laughs) So the show went so poorly that I will only be on if there is a Ben Simmons raising a championship banner. I got it. I got it. That's fine. Yeah. That's
0: fair. Well, I mean, next time you're loud wrong about something, we'll have you on again. (laughs) Okay.
1: Uh, So I'll see you next week. Thanks for having me.